Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 528 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB, it's Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into. Uh, Going to get Matt's thoughts on the Sixers' historic sweep uh, during the process era and the first time in our lifetimes. Uh, NFL draft tomorrow night. Going to do our. Uh, our best to preview that, as uh, it seems like one of the more unpredictable drafts in recent memory. We're also going to dive into the fills, and of course, the union uh, gets set for the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal tonight at 9 o'clock against LAFC. And for the True Blue Sicko fans, Survivor 44 continues on. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. But as always, guys, this show presented by the city of Vineland and whether you're a company looking to expand relocate or a new business startup selecting the right location is critical to your success Vineland New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life the city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and provide the fastest turnaround times in the region if you are considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI, Twitch.tv slash UndergroundSportsPHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you decide to consume your podcast. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia and all of the shows on our network. And go subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of every podcast on our network, including this show, twice a week. You get live streams, including our uh, Underground Draft show will be live on YouTube tomorrow night for the first round. You get clips, shorts, uh, all that good stuff on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We are currently at 447 subscribers. Big bump over the last two days. Uh, go subscribe. We're on that road to 500 and, of course, that road to 1,000. Uh, so be a friend, tell a friend to go subscribe. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon and leave a comment down below on your thoughts uh, with everything Matt and I discuss on this episode. And big thank you to Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. What's going on, Matt? I'm living the dream. We uh, 
we witness history for the first time in our lives since the last time you and I recorded an episode. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers sweep the Nets. They're on to round two. And who would have thought the Atlanta Hawks would uh, come up clutch and give Joel Embiid some extra rest as he's now dealing with the LCL sprain because we can't go a single NBA postseason without some freak Joel Embiid injury. It's just par for the course. Uh, but the Sixers are on to round two, still awaiting their opponent, but they do know when uh, it will kick off. We don't have Sixers basketball again until May 1st. Yeah. Um, give us an extra extra two days of Joel Embiid rest, which I think is pretty big because, you know, at least based off Doc's press conference uh, talking about the injury, it sounded like he was 50-50. Um, you know, there was, I think, uh, some mixed reporting, but that was at least what he was saying. And, you know, I think with that initial thought, there was at least a chance that he maybe misses game one, but he's back for game two, maybe misses both first games in Boston and is back for Philly, assuming Boston is, of course, who we'll be facing. Um, now, you know, with that extra two days, maybe that gets you in a zone and we've learned at least a little more about his injury that it being a, an LCL sprain is typically a seven to 12 day type of recovery um, to at least be able to play on it. We'll see, you know, how he looks. I think the the concern is that, one, we don't know that it's necessarily going to be healed. And two, you know, this is now going to be over a, a week that he hasn't really played. And, you know, conditioning has been an issue with him because he is asked to do a lot offensively and asked to do a lot defensively. Um, so that could be a concern. But as far as the net series went, you know, it was, a, it was a sweep, which, like you said, is the first time we've ever seen that in our lives. Uh, 1991 was the last time uh, the Sixers swept an opponent. That was in a five-game series. You have to go all the way back to 1985. It's the last time they swept someone in a seven-game series. So not something we do very often. It's been almost 40 years since we did that, which is shocking that we have not at any point just uh, put put a team away. But that's also because a lot of times, like you said, every year we have this issue, and it's usually we go three up in a series, and you know Embiid gets some weird freak injury, that takes him out for the the remainder of the series. You usually drop that game or the game after. And, you know, normally he misses time at the beginning of the second round. He's not quite the same player, doesn't have the same effectiveness. I hope that this is not following the same script, but this is why also um, it was very hard for me at any point this year to just get fully in, knowing that this is, um, this is the potential path for them, that it could just all end in heartbreak. It is starting to feel eerily familiar in that sense, but... Um, it was a it was a it was a good playoff series. You know, it was, it's nice to get through. It's hilarious that we're the only team in the NBA that swept their first round opponent. I don't care that the Nets are like barely even a playoff team. We still did it, and that everyone else in the East is still uh, just beating the hell out of each other. And we're <laughs> and we've just been uh, chilling for the last uh, like five days now. <laughs> it's insane, and it's like it's the first time like that that I feel like has happened where like. You get the one team where they handle the opponent that they're supposed to handle, they get the sweep, and then it's just a bloodbath, even in the West, across the board. You know, we've had exciting series between, like, the Warriors and Kings. Knicks-Cavs has been crazy. And now the Hawks have made it a series against Celtics. Uh, and I don't know uh, who's going to have to... I don't know where they're going to move her, but Janet Jackson and the Atlanta Hawks are double-booked for State Farm Arena on the 27th. Well, that's... <laughs> Maybe she'll just, uh, I don't know, they, I'm sure they have some opening thing, like how we have Ring the Bell. I'm sure they have, uh, maybe they get to like... You Janet know, they, Jackson halftime concert? Well, you know how sometimes they, they might bring out like an actual live hawk, and maybe she'll <laughs> like get to do that. 
Um, yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to the Hawks. You know, giving us a little bump. Who knows? Ice tray. If there's one thing that we know is that the uh, the Hawks <laughs> have a way of, you know, when you have uh, double digit leads against them multiple <laughs> times and have the chance to put them away, and you don't, and you have a game seven at home looming. Maybe you were looking too far ahead uh, at your conference finals path and weren't paying enough attention to the Atlanta Hawks in front of you. I don't know. I still think the Celtics win that series, and that's uh, who we're likely to face. But we don't know for sure that that is going to be the case, um, which is nice. I do think, you know, if we are looking ahead to the next series, I, I, I do think, you know, the, the Celtics not being able to, uh, <laughs> as Doc would say, they're playing with their meat at the moment. Um <laughs> But their inability to kind of put them away, and I think maybe it's gone a little under the radar. I, I don't know, but like Joe Mazzulla is, he's a first-year head coach. Um, coaching in the playoffs is like a, a whole different experience, and I just wonder if maybe, you know, that could be a, a, a factor in the playoffs. Now that Doc is like some, <laughs> I'm not turning the tables here and saying right. Doc is some amazing playoff coach because, you know, we have had our issues with him, but um, he is more experienced. And I, I do wonder if that uh, if that shows at all. But you know, Adoka was also uh, a relatively inexperienced head coach, at least, um, and was was very good and, and brought the Celtics to the finals last year. So, you know, I, experiences and everything. But I do wonder. You know, maybe maybe there's a little bit of that. You know, you've seen Jason Tatum not having his best moments. You know, I I think I think you can kind of convince yourself. You know, I I think the again the concern is that. The Nets were really the blueprint for how the Celtics are going to play you, and the the Sixers passed that test. I mean, they swept them. There's there's no other way of saying that. Um, but still, some concerning bits out of that, like Harden's inability to finish around the rim, is just shocking. Uh, it's weird. It's bizarre. I, I I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it was just very unlucky in that series, and we're get, we're due for some variance. Um, I don't mind that his. I actually thought like he looked pretty okay outside of that. Like he was mm-hmm. still getting by players, which is good, you know. Like and the Nets do have some athletic wings that you know are not just like turnstiles. You know, he was he was getting past some pretty good defenders, and I I think that's a positive. And you just hope that he finds his touch around the rim because that that really that's that's what we're gonna need. And again, you just have to pray that Embiid is actually healthy and good to go because you know I I think you're gonna need if you look at the the games that the Sixers have played against the Celtics the games that have been the closest and the only game that we've won against them was Embiid's 50 point night um but in in one of the other games we were close to and Embiid had I think like 42 or 43 you know you need those big and you need Embiid to be the best player on the floor and I do have my concerns if he's like 85 percent of his like normal self if he's able to reach that level because um, the Celtics have guys that can eclipse him and you know I, I just don't know that we can count on Harden four out of seven games to be like his very good self and, you know I, I think he might only get like two so I, Which I just is then where you need like you saw in game four against the Nets you need Tobias Harris to step up and well be... I think we got our we got our first round Tobias Harris performances where we all decide that maybe his contract isn't so bad and that he's pretty good <laughs> and that he's a decent fourth option um and a but lot of teams well in a lot of teams he'd actually be the second option um and then he just thinks it up at this this is what i'm saying like this is why it's so hard for me to to not i'm not trying to go like full doomer here but it's hard for me to just be like oh yeah you know like we're gonna because you're gonna I, need like <laughs> those players though to step up against celtics like absolutely as, as much as you said like the blueprint for how the celtics are gonna play was you know kind of distributed by the nets the celtics are, are a different beast but i think zoe put it best with uh one of his gifts after uh, game 
say, or game five when the, the Hawks won, it's like Rocky. You know, they're not a machine. They're human. There's ways to beat them. You just have to have guys in those moments step up. And I think we've seen spurts from different guys that traditionally in years past, too, the Sixers wouldn't get those performances from those guys. And it's kind of the the types of people that you're not expecting. Like, you know, to close out a game the way D'Anthony Melton did, the Sixers in years past haven't had a guy like that. Yeah, D'Anthony Melton, I think, is a, is a huge X factor in this series. And he's he even got a few starts against the Celtics this year. I wonder if maybe even go back to the look, if we'd maybe see P.J. Tucker out of the, the starting lineup. Um, I did think P.J. was really good in that net series in like very specific ways. Um, his effort on rebounding is like something the Sixers have just not had over the last four years. Like I, I can't tell you how many times like I and I think that really changes the complexion of the series because you know we've seen so many times where guys just uh, don't put that effort in and win a, a really hard earned foul right because they're going for a loose ball or just get that rebound which which can swing it which uh, you know Paul Reed did it uh, near the end of one of those Nets games like. Um, I do think like it was a strange series in that I feel better about the Sixers supporting cast and I feel worse about our stars like coming out of it. I feel worse about Embiid's ability to be impactful mostly because of the injury, but even then did not have a great series. I, you know, like for a guy that is likely going to be an MVP, you would hope that you got a, like a touch more dominance. I mean, he was good, but like not by his standards And who's at to all. say, you know, not making excuses for him, but who's to say when this Injury popped up. It seems up. like it happened in Game 3. That's um, what I but felt like, too. I still think, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think we we could have seen a little bit of better Embiid. And I, I was not really... You got one good game out of Harden, and then the rest were uh, mostly disappointing. Um, Maxi had uh, some good moments, but mm-hmm. even then, a uh, little inconsistency. But, yeah, I, I look around, and I look at someone like D'Anthony Mellon and think, like, yeah, we just haven't had this. <laughs> like, and I'm so thankful that we do. I'm so thankful that we have D'Anthony Mellon because... Um, I think he's he's incredibly important. Um, you know, we touched on B-Ball Paul last week, but uh, he had uh, you know so again some bright moments. He he definitely provides like a good spark, and has not been you know if you look at the history of backup centers in uh, Sixers recent history, um, he is somehow like in the top two. Which is <laughs> he's like almost uh, Mister Irrelevant in the NBA draft, and he's just doing better than a lot of uh, a lot of veteran guys. So that's good, but. And even a guy like Jalen McDaniels, like, yeah, even though he's not going to get, you know, the pomp and circumstance like some of these other guys, like, he's one of those guys that goes under the radar and makes, you know, two to three plays a game that are impactful, especially on the defensive side of things, that, like, there's another key to, uh, you know, a key piece that the Sixers in years past haven't had is having kind of that defensive stopper that can also help move the ball around, can score a little bit if he's, you know, finding his spots. That's something that they haven't had and kind of, I think, what they expected to have in a Matisse Thibel over the past couple of years, and it just never manifested on the offensive side of the ball Matisse. Yeah, Jalen McDaniels as well. Uh, definitely a, a good, important option coming into the Celtics series. So, it's, I mean, it's so strange because the, the Celtics are, in some ways, I think because of just our history with them and that they have just, frankly, owned us over the last four years, um, that... We kind of build them up, I think, bigger than they actually are and better than they actually are. But there is something to the fact that we just even even like in the Sixers like best iterations when the Celtics have not even been as good, um, we've just not been able to beat them consistently. And uh, this year, especially, you know, it was a little different. You know, I, I know one of the Celtics games. I don't think Harden even played, and we know the Celtics were like 
just white hot at, at the start of the season. Um, and obviously we open up the season against the Celtics as we do like every season, it feels like. But I, it's just not a team that we play and match up well with. And I, 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 that's like my just biggest concern. I don't look at the Celtics team and think, wow, they are just blowing teams away. Like this team is so good. I just think they're a bad matchup for us. And I think that the only real advantage we have in this series is Joel Embiid. And he is yet again hurt. And I, I, that just worries me. And I, it just worries me that, you know, I think for the Sixers to win this series, Embiid has to be the best player on the court for four out of seven games. And he's going to have to have big Joel Embiid nights. And I don't know that he's capable of that. Like it's, that is very much in doubt to me. That was a little bit of a concern even before the injury, because I just, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, we've seen him do it in the regular season against the Celtics, but I just, I do think it is different once you get to the playoffs and you know, they have more time to plan specifically for you, but we'll see. Anyway, and again, it would be hilarious if we're talking all of this and it's the Hawks that we end up playing. And yet again, we have, um, we have our eyes on the conference finals because the Bucks uh, get bounced by the heat and we have the heat and Knicks, um, you know, as potential conference finalists. And we're like, well, you know, we just get past the Hawks and, Oh, look what happens out West. And it's like, you know, that's that would be the the the, the darkest timeline I think uh, is that we get bounced by the Hawks again in the second round. The uh, the one thing that I've noticed too, especially like down the stretch in the regular season and kind of you know post All Star break really, and then down the stretch of the regular season into the postseason so far, Celtics really do have issues closing out games. They seem to let teams you know stay around, stay in the mix you know through most of the the second half of games. You've seen it a bunch with the Hawks, with the two wins the Hawks have gotten. Uh, even game four, it ended up being like a seven or an eight-point game at the end. I think that's something that, like, you mentioned, like having a rookie head coach that plays a factor in the postseason, I think, more so than having, you know, a coach who has experience playing in the postseason, playing on the big stages. And not that Doc has, you know, performed to, to the standards that I think most Sixers fans uh, would hope in his tenure as head coach of this team in the playoffs, but Doc's got plenty of postseason experience, and I think that's you know at least a morsel of something to just pay attention to when it is crunch time and you know late in games how the Celtics are kind of operating and how the Sixers can kind of take advantage of things with the experience factor of their coaching staff. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely can't count that out. And again, Doc is not perfect. Um, I actually think he wasn't bad in the next series. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's given, you know, I, I think some of our criticisms in years past, he has, I think, you know, improved on in that series. But again, the first round has never been the question for right. the Sixers team. I think they might be one of the best first round playoff teams of the last five years. Like they always look great in the first round. They always, like, I think they've, I don't know that they've ever lost more than one game in the first round. I think pretty much every series has been 4-1 outside of, obviously, this sweep. I, I really, I, off the top of my head, cannot remember them losing two. Um, maybe the first year back in the playoffs against uh, the Heat, I think? Last year, they lost two to the Raptors. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right, because there was the fake comeback. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, outside of that, like, this team is lost largely in looks. And then uh, the last time they lost two in a postseason series outside of the Mickey Mouse bubble sweep was uh that infamous bull series in 2011-2012 yeah. so pre-process yeah. look at that look at god um yeah i i think in general you know they've it's never it's never been a worry about their first round performance and how they've looked it has always been once you get to um 
you know, that second round, you know, how do you perform? And, you know, this team has not passed that test ever. So that is the, that is the big question for me, uh, looming. Um, I don't think the Celtics are like some unstoppable juggernaut. I just Mm -hmm. also think that they're a very, they're just a, a challenging matchup for the Sixers. Every team has another team in the playoffs that are like that within your own conference that you kind of just don't want to see um, until you have to see them. And that that's who the Celtics are for this team. Matt, now you brought up P.J. Tucker earlier, uh, and you and my sister are going to Italy this summer. Mm-hmm. Did you see P.J. Tucker's quote on uh, Italian food via I Marcus Hayes? did not. I'm interested. Uh, so P.J. Tucker on Italian food. I don't know if this is good news or bad news for you guys. Italian food in America is way better than Italian food in Italy. Quote PJ Tucker. Well, um, Italian food in America is Italian American food. It's important to, to note um, because I think people go to Italy and then expect that it's like chicken parmesan. Um, and that's like not like I think people need to understand that when like you're Italian grandmother and grandfather came to America like a hundred years ago. Um, they were mostly coming from like heavily impoverished areas where they had like pizza was just like bread with like traditional yeah. Neapolitan pieces actually like either uh, like dough with just sauce and like garlic on it or like dough with sauce and cheese because it was like incredibly cheap. Um, so a lot of the like you know, new inventions, which are good. I'm not going to debate whether they're good or not, but if you're talking like, you know, I think people have a tendency to think that the Italian food we have here is the same as it is in Italy, and that is not necessarily the case. I, You know, I think I think you can appreciate both. I don't know that one has to be better than the mm-hmm. other. I think they both have their own realm. I think we're much more on the savory side, mm-hmm. um, whereas in Italy it is much more, I think uh, they are more into like freshness, much more like seasonal food, but you know what? Fair enough, PJ. I did see somebody say uh, this PJ Tucker quote comes to you after spending seven months in South Philadelphia. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's also true. Um, did you also see the recent, because everybody on NBA Twitter loves to monitor who follows who, Matt. Uh, after last night's game, Trey Young hits the game winner. Trey Young now following Joel Embiid on social media. Yeah, I mean, it's cool now until they win game six, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> don't want to have to, uh, you know, I'd rather, you know what, it's a funny story, it's going to be terrifying if the if the Hawks do complete a comeback, and, we, and then it's like, oh, we've, okay, we've got to play the Hawks now, <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what I'm going to be looking forward to, but it is funny, it is funny seeing some other team, uh, uh, kind of struggle with the Atlanta Hawks. Wouldn't know what that's like. I wouldn't know what it's like to be unable to put the Hawks away. Just let them linger around a series when you should have. I'll never. I will never in my life. You were. I will never. At an all time low. That was truly like one of my darkest sports moments because it's not even just that we lost. Like we two games in a row had a double digit lead over the Hawks and let it slip away. I think both of those leads were actually like twenty plus point mm-hmm. leads and we let them slip away. And you I, didn't consume basketball until at I, least Christmas that cause following Because then it was uh, like you just had the whole mess of the Ben Simmons shit. That that was one of the worst off seasons. One of the worst off seasons I've ever had <laughs> watching the NBA. I mean, just but I'll never I will never get over that series. That series took a lot of of joy away from me, and a lot like a lot of my cynicism about the Sixers is like just from that series. And like I will I'll never get over it. I will never get over the fact that we had our that honestly. 
I think there are two times that the Sixers probably should have been like in a finals like situation. And it is 2018, 2019. And when you just mm-hmm. ran into like a red hot Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors, and it's like, it, sometimes it just goes that way. You, you know, you, you and fair enough. But I, I really think if they make it out of that Raptor series, and then, you know, you make it to the finals and the Warriors are hobbled, maybe there's your ring. Maybe Jim and Butler never leaves, whatever. I also really think in 21, I truly think that the Sixers absolutely should have been in the conference finals. I think they definitely could have beaten the Bucks. And I like our chances against the Suns. And I just, I, we blew it. <laughs> we absolutely, we absolutely blew it. You were on record. Give me the easiest path to the finals. And it was right there. It was. I mean, it, and obviously it didn't work out. But the, like, if you're at, on if paper, you're asking me if I, I would, if I would have rather had them or, or the, uh, the, the Bucks, the Heat, the, the Celtic, like, no. <laughs> obviously give me the Hawks. It was so stupid that we lost that series. Never get over it. Uh, did you see Jimmy Butler's, uh, quote after heat fans were chanting mvp and he said um that goes to joel he's still got his pandering notebook because uh, maybe uh maybe he's thinking about his next destination <laughs> who knows but his next chapter yeah i feel like that has um that's been a bizarre thing right that the fact that the bucks are going to lose in the first round um that's not great so maybe we should have been in the four or five seed. <laughs> maybe. somewhere in a closet at the wells fargo center a ladder has his feet kicked up, cackling at Giannis right yeah, now. that is true. <laughs> rest uh, up your back, King. But yeah, I mean, rest of the NBA playoffs, Lakers surprisingly look like they're on their way to advancing. Uh, the Warriors-Kings has become an all-time first-round series. And uh, the Clippers, once again, just the first-round version of the 76ers where they just can't get out of the first round. Clippers, I mean, you talk about just like snake bit year after year. Uh, turns out building the franchise around two very um, injury-prone stars. One was a degenerative knee condition. Not great, you know? Like it has a it has a, has a chance to go really wrong for you. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the Warriors-Kings series have been my my favorite uh, to watch just because of the, the pace of play has been really fun and two very like exciting teams. Darren Fox broke his finger, but apparently he's going to play, mm-hmm. which is nice, although I think that's a 10 o'clock game today. Um, so probably not gonna be watching that live, but yeah, I, I, I have liked, uh, the energy of that series. We talked to like the Kings, they deserve it. They, they deserve mm-hmm. to have, uh, some good moments. And, um, you know, I, I hope that they're able to, to at least like get a game seven, you know, like to at least have a game seven, have that experience. Um, if not like obviously go through the next round, but it is going to be ch- challenging now with, uh, with Fox's injury. But yeah, I, I hope that, uh, I'd like to see more of the Kings. They're a very good team too. Like yeah. they're not, you know. I, th- I thought they were very unlucky, actually, to be at 2-2 here. Former uh, Blue Coats GM Matt Lilly is a scout for uh, the Kings, so shout-out to them. Yeah, the uh, the Knicks and Cavs are playing right now. Knicks up 24-16, Lakers-Grizzlies at 7-30, uh, Heat-Bucks at 9-30, and then Warriors-Kings at 10. Could see could see the Bucks closed out tonight. That'd be tough. That would be tough. Could see a few series. Could see uh, yeah, those I, first three could be over tonight. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like just like stakes too. I mean, the Bucks like first round exit. I don't know if Budenholzer survives that. I don't know what what maybe moves they consider in the off season. You know, you're not blowing it up. Obviously, like, mm-hmm. you're not making like huge moves. But well, you know, what, I wouldn't hate seeing a. Uh, <laughs> although maybe Budenholzer staying would be better. I I don't know. Yeah. I I I go back and forth with that, but. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how the rest of the East shapes up. Although it seems 
the Knicks, I, I think, are very much uh, on their way to the second round. We'll see what happens to the Bucks heat, though. Very, I'm kind of surprised the Knicks have kind of handled the Cavs the way they have. Cavs have two problems. Well, like three. Coach is not great. Mm-hmm. It's a young team. And young teams just typically don't perform well in the playoffs. through no fault of their own. Um, and they have two bigs that have no real, like, offensive side of their game. Now, Evan Mobley has, like, time still to, like, develop that. But, um, and Jared Allen is not uh, particularly great and uh, on the offensive end, I should say. Um, and so like th- that creates a problem where you don't have to worry about essentially two of your five starters. Uh, that has been the problem. And, um, yeah, you know, like, uh, the, the Knicks are one of those, they're one of those like classic, uh, first round excitement teams. I, and maybe I'll be eating these words, but I, w- I would be surprised to see them. Um, although I like the thought of a Knicks heat second round series is just disgusting. Sounds like an awful time. Jimmy versus Thibodeau. I mean, just truly, just the coffee breath in that is astounding. Tom Thibodeau looks like he has absolutely, he looks like an old-timey journalist. Like, I feel like he should be banging his fist on a table asking for, like, I need that on my desk for printing at at midnight. You know, like, he just, coffee stains everywhere. Like, he chews on cigars. He doesn't smoke them. He chews on them. 100%. Um but yeah, we'll see what happens with the uh, the NBA playoffs. And May first is when uh, things shake out for the Sixers' second round. Which, if there is a Game Seven, Matt, Mother's Day. Well, well it was Father's Day, wasn't it? That uh, that uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's over. Uh, before we keep it pushing. I want to give a shout out uh, to our amazing merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. Uh, and this show is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company, who provide unique designs and high quality clothing for the great fans of Philly and our podcast network with their original designs for all. There's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd, whether you're going to the Wells Fargo Center for round two action for the Sixers, going down to Citizens Bank Park all season long for the Phils, Subaru Park for the Union your favorite bar, or just chilling at home, you're going to stand out with the great merch from PHI Apparel Company. And you can get exclusive Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast merch. We're working uh, on getting some new stuff up pretty soon for the spring and summer that you won't want to miss out on. Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND so they know you're coming from us. You get 10% off any apparel, uh, and that includes our exclusive Underground Sports Philadelphia merch, hoodies, shirts, all that good stuff. And when you get your merch, tag us because we want to see where you're rocking your merch from. Shout out to PHI Apparel Company for uh, being our exclusive merch providers. Matt, the Phils, they're underway right now. Our boy Nicky C hit a two-run oppo taco to start off tonight's game, but uh, J.P. Crawford, Hit a grand slam, followed by Julio Rodriguez solo shots. So the Phils right now losing five to two to the Mariners, um, but overall seems like they're kind of finding their way as uh, the month of April is slowly coming to a close. Right now, sitting at eleven and thirteen, um, we we tried to tell you the sky wasn't falling. It's still very early, and the crazier part is, it seems like next week Bryce Harper's back. I just refuse to believe that. I mean, I really do. I don't. I don't know how or why. I'm not gonna like necessarily get upset, but I just I don't. 
I don't understand that. I and I need. I actually don't want anyone to explain this to me because I'm making me more worried. I just I have no idea how he's back. I really don't. I do think part of it is the fact that he's going to be playing first base rather than immediately going to the outfield. So it's a little less like throwing motion. Uh, but videos have been coming out every single day. He's been doing head first slides. He's been taking ground balls I, at first. He's been throwing at first base. It's crazy. It's like. Is this safe? Like, is this, like, is this allowed? I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. I mean, it's great, and you know, we somehow ended up with the Angels' best outfielder uh, on our team now, and uh, you know, all of a sudden we have a competent outfield, which uh, you know, complete like all across the board, which is spectacular. But um, yeah, I mean, JP Crawford coming back. Who would have thought coming back and uh, last night doing some damage today doing some damage that's that's great you love to you love to see a good homecoming i i do feel better about this team in general like they you know they, they showed a little bit also against teams that they should be beating to be very frank i i think they they should i actually think it's it's a little bit disappointing they don't sweep the rockies at home mm-hmm. um but you know it's neither here nor there i do still think some of the starting pitching could uh could do with uh, a little bit of improvement that's been shaky to start the season but I mean, offensively, I don't know. You can complain a whole lot about this team. They've been they've been pretty good all throughout, and uh, like we've like we've mentioned pretty much every week now. Like guys like Stott and Marsh have had uh, such a good start to the season. Trey's been really consistent, um, you know, constantly making contact. Power hasn't been there, but um, in general, it's just been uh, kind of everything is advertised outside of that. And I mean, if you are able to add Bryce to the mix as soon as next week. Um, Bohm and Castellanos have also been phenomenal. Yeah, Castellanos has definitely, I think, definitely figured some things out this year. Still not perfect, but I do think, like, the plate discipline in some aspects is better. Still striking out a little bit more, but he's also taking more walks. So it's, like, it's more disciplined, yet is still also chasing at times, but I think it's not as egregious. I think that is He seems way more comfortable just, Absolutely. like, in his role, kind of knowing what his role is, too, I think, I think uh, helps. I think I've read he's, he's moved closer to the plate, mm-hmm. and that has been, like, some of the, the recipe for success. Um, again, you know, strikeouts have still been a little bit of an issue, but, you know, if he's if he's hitting, like, for... I mean, he has, what, like, 12 doubles now? Like, or something. And I think he's gotten a hit, at least one hit in 14 out of his last 16 games. Yeah, so he's... Um, I, I think, you know, this is a guy that, like, as the season goes on, maybe we get some confidence and, and he starts rolling. He's and, really taking on a leadership role, too. Absolutely. Like, the all guy, the articles that come out now, it's like everybody goes to Nick Castellanos for, like, everything. And then I think it was, like, last week... Um, I forget who put the article out, but they said that uh, Alec Bohm went to Nick Castellanos after the I fucking hate this place thing. And Nick was like, you're you're going to figure it out. You're going to be fine. So, like, yeah. he's really taken on, like, that clubhouse leader role, too, that I don't think a lot of people expected him to do. But I think it's so valuable, especially when you have a guy like Bryce being out, a guy like Reese being out, who is kind of like your heartbeat of the team, to have somebody like Nick Castellanos truly, like, ingraining himself in the city and just you know doing the pandering thing whether it's genuine or whatever it may be he said he wants to do whatever it takes to win here you love to hear that you do love to hear that boom has been great i mean just a true blessing i just uh what a lottery ticket we (laughs) cashed in on man it just feels good it feels feels good right (laughs) it feels so good (laughs) feels so good to see a guy doing it at the at the lower levels as a prospect and thinking and just betting on him and just and just hoping and praying and uh yeah he's been uh he's been great um 
he's he's been making such good contact. I, and I, I think again, if you add Bryce to this mix, you, you get back, you know, get back to to around five hundred, move a few above if you can as you as you sweep into May, and you know start actually playing some NL East teams. Mm-hmm. You know whether those games, not that. You know these games don't matter, but those games really matter. Yeah, especially um, with how the schedule is this year. Right, and you know it's not <laughs> unlikely that we'll be fighting with one of the Mets and or Braves for, if not the division, the wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jerry's out of the Marlins, but you know those those we've we have a tendency, I think, with baseball to, in one way, overlook and sort of brush off the first part of the season. But well, you know, it's a long season. Every year. We sit here in August or in September when we're looking at the wild card standings and we reflect on some of the losses at the beginning of the season and some of the ways that the, this team could have made up more ground mm-hmm. and that, you know, oh, we're three and a half back if you know we didn't have that shitty series in April or May, you know, like and every team has that. Yeah. That's not a Phillies exclusive thing, you know, and I'm sure every fan base has those conversations, but, you know. It is frustrating, <laughs> and it will be frustrating when we lose like three or four of the Braves in May. So. Yep, and that's Memorial Day weekend, which is usually your litmus test of uh, yeah. where you are in the first half of the season. Uh, it's good to know that the the national landscape of baseball, though, Matt, is recognizing how great of an outfield the Phillies have. Uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue tweeted uh, yesterday, the Phillies outfield defense right now is an awesome watch. A great center fielder in center field, Brandon Marsh, an elite center fielder in left with Christian Pache, and the greatest defensive outfielder in postseason history and right field, Nick Castellanos. I, all of those are true. Yeah. Also, I think we should start calling him Brandon Bonds because I, I like he is. <laughs> where the hell did this come from? And by the way, I just like to revisit something. We're in those filling their diaper about Logan O'Hoppy. The guy that we got <laughs> is has like a twelve hundred OPS. I'm pulling up his stats right now because they are absurd. That is that is quite literally that is. Like Barry Bonds and Mike Trout did that. That is, and he's not going to do that the whole season. But he's playing well, an insane. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Right now, going into tonight's game, Brandon Marsh's OPS is eleven fifty seven. His on base percentage is four thirty nine. He's hitting three fifty two. He's got four home runs, thirteen RBIs, one stolen base. He scored fourteen runs, has twenty five hits in seventy one at bats. That is pretty good. It's pretty good. Turns out. Turns out. Oh, oh, and by the way, he's a gold glover. <laughs> Start the campaign right now. Brandon Marsh for gold glove. I actually would like to know how far in the season he has to play this level before we actually have a, a Brandon Marsh for MVP conversation. Marsh VP? I mean, I, like, I'm not, I'm, yeah. like, actually, I'm being pretty serious. Like, he's it, been unbelievable. It's a, it's a month into the season. You don't want to get carried away, but it's a month. <laughs> like, he's... Do this for a month, good. you know. It's not gonna. It's not necessarily gonna be at this, but I don't know. It's pretty damn good. He's pretty good. And I mean, we saw it in the tail end of last year too. We saw it in the playoffs. Like this guy, he can play, and he's also deceptively young because he's like twenty five. He looks like one of the Duck Dynasty guys, but um, he's actually more like a like a a TikTok star. You know, like he's he's right now uh, fourth in all of Major League Baseball. In batting average, with the 357 batting average, he is currently well. Bryson Stott is currently fourth with uh, total hits so far this year, and then we have. Let's see if we can find the 
rest of everything. But yeah, I mean, Brandon Marsh has been unbelievable. I think he has. I think he has the the top war, if not in baseball, in the National League. Um, It's just amazing. I think he leads the NL or all of baseball in uh, OPS, too. Like, he's been unbelievable. And it's one of those things where. No, talked but about Kyle, did you, Logan O'Hoppy had he had a double <laughs> like three weeks ago. So do want to send our best wishes to Logan? I do, but and I I don't want to make it like a O'Hoppy versus Marsh thing, but it's just like people would not shut up about yeah. Logan O'Hoppy. And it's like, are you are we really are we doing this? We could, I mean, genuinely, we could trade a Logan O'Hoppy like caliber type where he's probably he's probably a an everyday player at some point in his career, if not. He's gonna he's a, he's gonna be an MLB player for like mm-hmm. a decent chunk of time. He's we know that that's his floor at least. We could trade him for like actual Barry Bonds. Yeah, and there would be like people. Oh, you know, Hoppy there's been, been nice. very few <laughs> prospects that the Phillies have traded. Whether it's under, you know, during the run regime, you know, 07 to eleven, even with Clentac to to now, that have truly like snake bitten the Phillies yeah. in the long run. I think one. During the run, there was only one during the 07 to 11. It was Carlos Carrasco, mm-hmm. who actually turned into a serviceable and, and high quality major league pitcher. JP Crawford has found his group, but I think that trade was a net positive for both teams because yep. the Phillies ended up getting Gene Segura in that trade. And we all have fought, we fell in love with Gene Segura. He became a cult hero here. Um, other than that, there really hasn't been any prospect that you look around Major League Baseball right now. That was a former Philly who has truly come back to bite them in any sort of trade. And that's that's a positive from just like whoever was GM at the time, kind of just assessing the value of the the players that you're giving away to bring in talent. Yeah. Yeah. I think um I think in general the Phillies have actually been pretty okay with like uh with letting guys go. And I think maybe that's luck. Maybe that's uh the opposite luck. Like we can't developed um you know great prospects but we know we don't till now (laughs) we don't lose great ones you know we've never really given uh we never really uh never really regretted a lot of the decisions that we made also brandon marsh leading uh believe yeah leading all major league baseball in triples he's got four triples on the year nbd i'm still fully convinced this is the year that the phillies finally get a cycle for the first time since 2004 whether it's marsh trey turner like they have somebody in this lineup now that can get that done. Let's see it. Let's see. Love happen. to see it. Um, obviously, after this Mariners series, more interleague play this weekend. World Series rematch. Astros haven't been that great to start the year, so that's also kind of nice for the, the time period that you get to play them. Um, so hopefully, you know, you go out on a, a high note to end uh, end the month of April and go into May. Swinging in with some uh, National League opponents, some actual NL East opponents, um, but we'll see what happens there. But Matt, the uh, our favorite thing to do every single week, the NL East run differential, brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer. It's the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, they they've been rocking with us for as long as we can remember, and Kenwood Beer is. The beer you should be drinking if you're in the Philadelphia area. It's 4.1% ABV, just 127 calories, 10 grams of carbs. 
you guys can go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the all-new and improved Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You can also buy Kenwood Beer at your local Philadelphia area liquor store, or if you're in eastern Pennsylvania, you can get it at your local Whole Foods. It's light body, light calories, plenty of flavor, the best light beer on the planet. Must be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. So Matt, as uh, we are in the final week of April baseball right now, just two teams with positive run differentials in the NL East. The Atlanta Braves at the top of the division at 16-8 and eight with just a plus 38 uh, run differential. Uh, the New York Mets at 14 and 10 and a plus 14, the Miami Marlins who are 12 and 12 somehow have one of the worst run differentials in all of baseball at negative 37 and have only scored 76 runs this season so far, which is towards the bottom of the barrel in all of major league baseball to put it in perspective for everybody at home. The Oakland A's have scored more runs than the Marlins this year. Yikes. And they have a possum playing. <clears throat> they have a possum in there. They have a, a new stadium in Las Vegas, which literally that news broke on a Friday night at 1 a.m. Yeah, classic. Uh, our Philadelphia Phillies at 11-13, and 13, sitting at a negative 12 run differential, but they do have over 100 runs scored already to start this season. One of the three teams in the NL East with that number there. And then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, at a negative 15 run differential. And like you said, the jury's still out on the Marlins, but like, I don't know how much longer any team can keep the pace that they are without scoring runs. Yeah. Like, you can only win one nothing games for so long. When you have pitching like that, though, you know? Very true. <laughs> Unless Sandy Alcantara is pitching against the Phillies. Yeah. Um, taking a look at the grand scheme of uh, Major League Baseball, the third place Chicago Cubs with the best run differential in the National League at plus 45 but they're in third place in the NL Central because the the darling to start the year the Pittsburgh Pirates best team in the National League I cannot wait to see how they blow it up <laughs> 16 and 8 are the Pittsburgh Pirates have scored 118 runs give Brian Reynolds a big contract extension that he probably could have gotten on the open market and for less years, more AAV, but he's sticking in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers at a plus 28 run differential. And then, uh, I mean, the NL West, you want to talk about just like kind of mid? Dodgers are 13 and 11. Diamondbacks are 14 and 12. Padres are 12 and 13. Giants are 10 and 13. And the Rockies are 8 and 18. What's up with the Cardinals, by the way? Nine and fifteen. Nine and fifteen. They just uh, optioned their their top prospect down to Triple A. Not a great start to the year for the Cardinals. <laughs> Look at who they've played so far. I mean, they haven't had the easiest. The people are saying the Philadelphia Phillies uh, ended the Cardinals' reign of terror. Well, that'd be great if we did. <laughs> I'd certainly love that. It's and bizarre. Then... I, I just hadn't really clocked that that they've been uh, not great this year to start the year at least. And then the best run differential in baseball so far this year, obviously the twenty and four Tampa Bay Rays at a plus eighty eight. <laughs> Stupid good. <laughs> and then the Texas Rangers uh, sitting at a plus fifty six as they are we still. Gave them, we gave them about uh, like twenty of those. Yeah, you know, still in first place in the AL West by one game as the Houston Astros are thirteen and eleven, right behind them. Angels at twelve and twelve, Mariners at eleven and twelve, and then Oakland A's at five and nineteen. Um, 
I mean, it's it's been a league of parity to start the season this year in Major League Baseball. Outside of, I would say, the AL Central, which I would think is like the most mediocre division in all baseball so far this year. Um, every other division is pretty much competitive with three to four teams in the mix in their divisions, which is fun. That's how you want baseball to be. Um, we also have to touch on the the debacle that has been the first two dollar dog nights at Citizens Bank Park. I don't know who's been in charge of organization and distribution of the dollar dogs, but somebody needs to find a new system and revamp dollar dog night, especially with the pitch clock in play now because the the scenes from the first two dollar dog nights this year have been absolute lunacy. Like the crazy lines, crazy lines, uh, flying hot dogs throughout I, I both did, games. I did see the flying hot dogs, and I saw uh, the Philly captain put a video out on Twitter yesterday. Twenty minutes before the game started, the lines it, you would have thought like you were gonna get a photo with Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, and Ryan Howard. It is tough. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Again, I think if you do dollar dogs, maybe a little more. Or spread them out a little more. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's not as, as much rush to do so. I get they do them early in the season because it's a great way to fill seats. You know, at a time of year where you know it's a little chilly at night and you know you don't. Kids got school in the morning. I get it, but maybe uh, maybe that'd help. I don't know what I don't know that there's a solution. Though. I've heard too like there aren't hot dogs at every concession stand. Right. So I think improving that a little bit would help, and then. From what I heard, at least yesterday's game, there weren't the traditional guys walking around with the like how your your beer and beverage uh, distributors are walking around with you know different beers and different uh, adult beverages going through the stands and right. everything. Typically, they have that for Dollar Dog Night. Apparently, that wasn't the case last night. Yikes! Somebody's got to get on that. Got to figure that out, especially with the pitch clock. Now you're going to either stand in line for I mean, half the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean or... that's that's the thing. I mean you you. Go catch some food, and you lost three innings, you know? It's tough. It is tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kyle Schwarber just uh, singled in the bottom of the third, so it's 5-3 Mariners now. Hopefully the Phillies can uh, make a comeback there. Um, but we'll see what happens with Bryce. Hopefully, you know, everything is checked out, and it'd be huge. He's coming back in a, a big-time series against the Boston Red Sox, allegedly, on uh, Cinco de Mayo. And uh, going into the Mother's Day weekend games, plus I think the uh, the Saturday game in that series is on Fox, so Bryce in prime time. Yep, would love to see it. And uh, also in prime time, Matt, it's brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. There's no better way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk than with our friends over at Trophy Smack. They've got belts, rings, metal wall art, and of course trophies. We just upgraded. The Fantasy League I've been in uh, with our friend Mikey Ostrowski. We've been doing it for a decade. We just upgraded our trophy and our Fantasy Smack Talk with Trophy Smack. You guys can do the same when you go to trophysmack.com slash underground and check out all of the goodies that they have to upgrade your Fantasy Smack Talk going into the 2023 uh, Fantasy Football season and any Fantasy League of that matter. Uh, trophysmack.com slash underground. Link in the description and in the show notes on uh, audio for you. Shout out to Trophy Smack. Matt, the NFL draft round one coming up on Thursday night. Eagles with two picks. Only 31 picks in this uh, first round this year due to the Dolphins forfeiting their pick. 
tough scene. Yeah, because we're we're the first team to ever do that. Disgusting. Tough scene. Um, lot of a uh, lot of rumblings the past couple days, especially with interviews that he has done. Uh, Bijan Robinson saying the number one quarterback he'd want to play with is Jalen Hurts. Same. Um, <laughs> If I was Bijan Robinson, I would also say that. <laughs> lot of a uh, lot of speculation around Bijan, around around Jalen Carter, uh, a number of picks for the Eagles, and a, a lot of things that they can do with this number ten pick. I still don't know what I would like to see them do, just because it's like even having this number ten pick is such a luxury for them. Like they're not going to be in this position. You hope for the foreseeable future with the current you know iteration of this team, but. It's it's tough to not think about Bijan Robinson behind this offensive line, and you know, sure, you signed Rashad Penny going into uh, free agency and everything, but how much can you trust him to stay healthy for a seventeen game season? You bring back Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell is here. Bijan sounds real nice, and he was also he was also I think he might have enrolled in the Bryce Harper School for Pandering one hundred and one. He's wearing a Kobe Bryant shirt today. I mean. You want to talk about just home run, nonstop offense if we get Bijan Robinson. I mean, come on. Come on, son. <laughs> Nothing better. Um, I don't know that we will. It would be – I think there's there's two blue-chip guys that the Eagles could theoretically pick up at 10. Or, should also mention, Eagles are not afraid. If they really like someone and they're within, like, two or three picks, they will mm-hmm. go get them. They've done that time and time again. Um and our, our, if, if they really like, say, Jalen Carter and he falls, which is possible, they will go get him. If if they really like B. John Robinson and they feel like, you know, they got to move up to eight to get him, I think they will. And I don't think the cost is nearly as steep as people might think. And they have tons of picks next year, mm-hmm. um, which maybe even makes me think, too, that they're probably they may not even trade back. You know, uh, they might trade out of 30. I think yeah. they're actually, I would actually be. More surprised if they pick at 30 than they do at 10. I think they, they probably make the selection at 10, maybe move up, something like that. Maybe 30 is included in that deal. Who knows? But I I, I think um, because they have, they have 12 picks next year, I'd be a little surprised um, if they, you know, I get, and it, it has paid dividends, you know, last year, um, uh, you know, we, getting this pick right and, and sort of, uh, you know, looking towards the future and, and filling the cabinet a little bit, but... I don't know that you need to do that for next year. Um, and I, I think you're not going to have the opportunity to pick in the top 10 uh, anytime soon necessarily. So, you know, take that opportunity to, to get a potential like foundational piece, whether that's an offensive guy uh, like Bijan Robinson or someone like Jalen Carter or someone on the off- offensive line, you know, like Peter Skaronsky has been uh, definitely linked to the Eagles, like kind of just build on your strength there and mm-hmm. ensure that, you know, even then, you know, you have someone that's pretty versatile and that can provide you some some really good uh, snaps there. So they have great flexibility, I think is the biggest thing. Like, And I think what's nice about their position, too, is they have needs everywhere, you know, like and, and not even hardcore needs, right? But, like, there's really not a position that the Eagles can't not select at. You know, that there's pretty much any any choice to make. But, yeah, we could use that, you know. There are some that I think are more uh, pressing needs, but... I think, oddly enough, the one spot for the first time in what feels like our lifetime is wide receiver. Yeah, I, I would be 
very surprised if they walk out of the draft. I don't know on day one that they're picking anyone. Maybe day um, three. Yeah, guy, I, I would but... be very surprised if the Eagles are not picking. Because, I mean, you obviously have your top two, but then it's Quez Watkins and... You have Zacchaeus now that Zaccheaus you've signed. And that's it. <laughs> so, I, I would be pretty surprised if they don't walk away. Maybe, maybe, there's just, maybe they stay at 30 and they really like someone. Who knows? Well, here's a uh, here's a fun hypothetical, which we mentioned on uh, Monday's episode that came out. Leave in the YouTube comment section uh, a potential name for hypotheticals that we can bring up on the pod to kind of segment it there. Would you rather, Matt, the Eagles take Bijan at 10 or they, they take, if he falls to them, Jalen Carter at 10 and then trade pick 30 and a pick next year? to the Tennessee Titans for the alleged rumor marriage that is Derrick Henry. Uh I I I don't really want Derrick Henry. Um and I don't know that the Eagles do either. That does not feel that just does not feel like it's in the Eagles kind of playbook to go for for Derrick Henry. Like that feels he like we know that running back are not it, and that's the reason. Like Bijan Robinson in like 2010 is the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. and this is this is not even a conversation. Um, but we understand now that running backs are not a premium position that you can kind of get by, um, and you don't need like the best running back in the league, and especially with the offensive line and the way this offense plays, you don't need like the guy. Um, I I I, don't, I just I don't see that. I think I'd in that situation. Although having Jalen Carter and <laughs> and Derrick Henry is pretty nice, uh, but I do think you're giving up a little bit. I think I'd in that situation rather just have Bijan and you have him for five years on a, on a rookie contract, which is a nice thing. And you know from there you can you can kind of pivot forward. But uh, <clears throat> we just got probably like an hour and a half before we went live. Philly Voice uh, put an article out. With the countdown of the draft entering its final hours, Howie Roseman is rumored to be calling about moving up and Ohio State tackle Paris Johnson. He has maybe the target. Got a ton of buzz uh, to the Cardinals as well. Apparently, like Kyle Kyler Murray's like asking for him specifically. Um, so he's got a ton of buzz. By the way, I saw this report earlier, and no one has talked about this, I feel like. And I don't I, I had to like look and make sure it wasn't a fever dream. Um, the 49ers are inquiring on getting Lamar Jackson, which I have no clue how this hadn't, no one had like brought this up before. I'm like, why is like, why is no one in on Lamar? Like every team is going to give up the, like the whatever pick to go get whoever, like you're going to give up a ton of capital, go get, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, per Dan Patrick, the San Francisco 49ers have explored a trade for Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. That feels like tomorrow night Lamar Jackson is going to be a 49er. <laughs> and, like, no one had talked about this. this is, I feel like I saw this, and I was like, is no one's going to mention this? The, how damaging that would be if you have Lamar Jackson uh. on the 49ers? Because <laughs> I feel like everyone's just like, Okay, they've received a ton of calls about Trey Lance, mm-hmm. and you know, there's been a lot of smoke about that. And Brock Purdy has this UCL injury, and he's not named Bryce Harper, so he's not just going to be back right. in two months. That it's that he could be out. Bryce Harper's lord is different than Brock Purdy's lord. Well, his Mormon god is different. <laughs> I, that would be a disaster. 
I like on so I many. I feel like fronts. I feel like British people have not mentioned that. Yeah, Brock Purdy may not play next season. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe they think he can be a start, but then it's Sam Darnold. They're not. I know that Kyle Shanahan is the quarterback whisperer, and you make a lot of bad guys look very good. And Trey Lance, by the way, snapped his ankle in half, and he's like one of his main benefits is that he is a quarterback that can be mobile. Like that was part of the appeal of Trey Lance, and he just had a Dak Prescott esque injury. I am. <laughs> that would be catastrophic <laughs> to the landscape of the NFC. For the I just I I had to bring it up because it's like how has no one talked about this? Because I had I had a, I've had a feeling that he would be like devastating on the 49ers, and I just I can't, I still can't believe that he's just like I I cannot believe the heel turn, and I can't believe the bootlickers that are like talking about Lamar played this so terribly, and he should just take no. Why are you Why are you pro billionaire? Like I. I get it can be frustrating when you look at a guy and the team releases that they offered X contract and it's like 180 guaranteed and it's hard for you to be like, you know, but he is trying to set a precedent, which I think is a good one. And I think it's absolutely stupid and obscene that the NFL does not have guaranteed contracts there. You can have incentives, right? For performance. I think that's fair, but I I just, I can't, I I can't believe the, the heel turn on, on Lamar Jackson. One of my favorite players. Love the guy. And um, I wouldn't love him as much if he was on the 49ers. I, you know, if he wants to wait a year and maybe come to Miami, you know, then we'll talk. We'll see how Tua's uh, season shakes out. I would love that. But, yeah. Um, Lamar, it just feels like maybe tomorrow we get Lamar Jackson, the 49ers. And uh, we're like, ah, well, <laughs> there it goes. The... Uh... The last thing I have on, on Bijan here is from Ike Reese. Um, he said, I got the opportunity to add potentially a Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Edron James, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. I'm adding that caliber of player to my offense, and you think it's a bad idea? What world are we living in? 100%. Like, I, I get that, you know, you see guys like, you know, our own Isaiah Pacheco, like going out, being a seventh-round pick, and producing like a first round pick, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs last year. But when you have that opportunity and that luxury to go and get a Bijan for the next five years and then say, you know, he outperforms is gonna go get paid, you're gonna get a compensatory pick for him. It's hard it's hard to to let the guys go though. That's the thing. You know, you maybe should have let Zeke go, but you can't let him walk out the door. You know, it's it's a tough thing. It's you're seeing that play out with Saquon too. You know, he's he's franchise tagged, not showing up to voluntary camps player feels scorned it's it's tough it is a tough thing um i mean Bijan on this team would just be it's like it's not quite this but it is like i think the best way it's like kevin durant joining the warriors it's like mm-hmm. we didn't really need this we didn't need this but we got it got it <laughs> we got it it's unfair that we got it but yeah it'd be a lot of fun but uh, I, I i don't necessarily see it happening who do you think is uh Number one pick tomorrow night when the Panthers' uh, pick is in. It sounds like it's going to be Bryce Young. Um, not buying into the Reddit. Will I'm Levis not type. buying into the Will Levis uh, from plus four thousand to plus four hundred. <laughs> not not sure. I believe that. Who knows? I think um, everything that I've read and listened to about this draft that it, it feels very unpredictable, which they also say about every draft. But um, it does feel like these guys. Uh, you know, it's a year where guys can slide, 
you know, as we're getting closer to, you get a, a little better information. All of a sudden, someone like Paris Johnson, who's not really been like a top 10 mocked guy. So all of a sudden now in the top five, you know, like. Yeah, right now Tankathon has Paris Johnson mocked uh, number seven to the Raiders. Right. I was looking at mock drafts that were updated literally uh, yesterday on the 25th, and they had him going like 15th, 16th, you know, and that was before the Kyler Murray drop and before, like, changes quick. All of a sudden you get closer and, you know, these things come out, so. Plus, the Texans are such an unpredictable team that, like... Well, they got they got the Lord behind them, and God bless them. They could do anything. Uh, also, C.J. Stroud said uh, his top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now, number one, Jalen Hurts. Tell you what. I like C.J. Stroud. I, I think, again, you know, he might uh, he might not benefit from the fact that, again, he doesn't have the, the mobility, that uh, especially some of these other quarterbacks uh, in this own draft. But then, if you look at kind of what the quarterback position needs to be now in the NFL, but I think whoever gets CJ Shroud at like, if he drops like six, seven, if the Raiders end up with him, like not bad. Yeah. I mean, you could see a number of teams in the top nine, I think take quarterbacks, whether it's obviously the Panthers, the Texans Colts are obviously going to be taking a quarterback. The Seahawks could, because obviously the, the Geno contract really breaks down to just being a one-year deal. The Seahawks are like the big inflection point, and I think um, I think the Eagles will be watching the Seahawks pick very mm-hmm. closely because I think both teams have a similar – they're in similar positions that they're both yeah. playoff teams, and they, they have this kind of high pick that is not you know typical of a team that has the ambition that they do currently. And they kind of have the similar needs. You know, like they could be someone that gets, say, Will Anderson if he falls to them, or Jalen Carter, like – they they can make some some interesting moves. And then you have the Lions at six, Raiders at seven, Falcons at eight, another like weird wild card type of team. Bears at nine, and then the Eagles uh, at number ten. So. I've seen Bijan mock to the Falcons a ton, which I've, is really strange because they just drafted. Uh, they have Algier, Algier, um, who who was good in some, but I mean Bijan is definitely mm-hmm. <laughs> a step above. And you know we know that the way that Arthur Smith likes to play is with. Uh, uh, establishing the run in a very serious way. And so that would be interesting. Bijan Which is why I think if the Eagles are viewing Bijan as the pick, you might have to go up to probably number seven and call the Raiders and see what it's going to take to move up there. Yeah. So we'll see what happens uh, with the draft. Make sure you tune into our NFL draft uh, live stream on YouTube tomorrow night. It's going to be fun. We're going to be taking you through the entire first round. And then, uh, Matt, why don't we head on over to uh, Fiji as we uh, break down Survivor 44. Brought to you by our friends over at Wasted Wedge. A new age of golf has arrived, and if you're looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further than the lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. These Wasted Wedges are a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course. You guys can check them out at WastedWedge.com or find them at WastedWedge on Instagram and Facebook. I think this would be a way cooler uh, innovation to a shot in the dark, uh, Wasted Wedge. Um, so go check it out. It, it is the next big you know, event talking point, whether it's a bachelor party, weddings, just out on the golf course. It fits right in your side pocket of a golf bag. Uh, go to WastedWedge.com. Check out everything. Make sure you guys follow them as well at Wasted Wedge on Instagram and Facebook. Matt, Survivor 44, the jury is here. Second member of the jury is here. Brandon voted out in last week's episode in kind of a pseudo blindside, I would say. Um, Our guy Danny plays his idol and uh, gets Brandon voted out of the game. 
Yeah, um, he's a big threat, and you know we talked about Danny and Brandon both uh, maybe getting a little targets on their back for being big threats, and they both making. Uh, I think Danny's a little more aggressive publicly, at least from what we've seen. But um, you know now uh, he kind of turns the tables there and plays an idol for Franny. Interesting move. I think it's it's not a bad move because so many people know that you have idols, and it almost makes you even more likely to get votes on you knowing that you have one um now that you don't obviously you lose that protection but i think also maybe takes the heat off a little bit um but it's also a big move to make at this stage of the season um does feel like carolyn carson and jam jam are i don't want to say controlling the game but are have like a lot of power and i think are, are sort of influencing quite a bit and that's definitely been reflected in like their confessionals and things like that. I think even like the Danny vote, they were they were in on a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I think those three are are going to be like central to the to the rest of the season. Lauren wins immunity last week. Um, Carson gets a an upset stomach from that has got that has got to be the worst. I mean that is there's there's got to be just like one of the worst moments of your life. Also, it really felt like Carolyn was in a horror movie during the challenge, just being <laughs> that was wrapped up in that net. <laughs> one of the funniest moments of the season because she's screaming, and poor Carson, who just you know again was like throwing up. Like, just think of how bad it is when you're just like in the comfort of your home and you're like you have like a stomach thing and you're thrown up, and it's like it sucks, and like you feel terrible, and you can't eat. Now imagine that like after you've already been out there for what like a week and a half, like I don't know how many, like twelve or thirteen days at this point, and. um you know, you're like, you, you already like don't have food. You don't have access to like, you can't even like really brush your teeth or anything. Like it's just got to be the way. But he's so meekly just like, you got this. You got this, Carolyn. <laughs> did feel bad for Carolyn. I, I did love too that she like, even knowing that like Carson was going to be like, frankly, like dead weight and was probably not going to help you win a challenge that she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll partner up with them. That was nice. That was heartwarming. Uh, we do have tonight's episode name, which is uh, Under the Wing of a Dragon. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, I mean, again, this season has provided nonstop drama, nonstop just like edge of your seat type of maneuvers and, and things to really hone in on uh, making what these accelerated seasons, I guess you could call them with just the, the 26 days, uh, be that much more intense. The uh, the fun part is our guy's still in. Danny's still alive, moving on to uh, at least this week. But the uh, next time on Survivor did not make it sound too promising for Danny. So it seems like he's going to have more work to do. But given just my experience of watching Survivor, whoever is on the promo and then whoever like in the first like 10 minutes of the episode is like, we got to get him out. He is such a threat. Yeah. That person, that person ends up winning immunity. Usually, is like how how it goes. So I actually think um, using some reverse reverse psychology, I think Danny actually might be safe tonight. But he is again. You know, we talked about like uh, him a few weeks ago. Like, it does feel like people are aware. And when you make a big play like that, you know, people take notice of that. So, and uh, now he's kind of vulnerable again. No idol, so more than likely an idol gets put back into the game. So could be some idol hunting uh on this week's episode but we'll see what all happens uh as danny continues to uh progress further and uh we'll see how alliances shake up how you know things shake out with uh 
this week's episode, but make sure you guys follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter and follow us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you decide to get your podcast from. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia and all of our podcasts, whether it's Outside the Box, Top Binge, Streamer Season, uh, F1 Underground. And, uh, of course, the uh, the Get in the Hole podcast as well. Go check them all out wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of uh, every podcast on our network. You get live streams, original content, shorts, clips, all that good stuff is on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. One final thought too, Matt. Uh, overall, rating on the Phillies new service dog major uh 10 out of 10 easily stuff great video too to uh introduce him to Citizens Bank Park I also want to sit on uh on the fanatics lap and be held (laughs) and caressed uh Sarah texted me and said I selfishly hope he fails at being a service dog so he just continues to be the team dog Uh, so shout out to Philly's new service dog who's going to be around, I think, for the next two years, uh, Major. Um, be sure to uh, check out our amazing merch partner, PHI Apparel Company, phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. And, of course, this podcast presented to you by the City of Vineland. And the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support on this podcast. But this has been episode number 528 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next episode, where we will know who the Eagles have drafted. The Sixers will be getting set for round two against an unknown opponent at this juncture. We are signing off. Peace. Peace.